fabulous vibers. Welcome back to my podcast where I believe that every woman deserves the freedom to craft the life she wants and the guts to go after it. We will share stories, facts, and opinions on various aspects of life to give you that kick in the ass to light you up and spread killer vibes every day, 24-7. I'm so excited, you guys. I'm so, so, so excited because today's topic is fashion for a cause. You all know me. You all know that I love fashion and I love a cause and I love a mission. So today, I'm really excited to present to you one of our favorite local designers from here, from Houston. Her name is Luisa Fernanda Nadaraja. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. Yes. I practiced it, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, I have to get this. If not, she'll correct me, which I need you to correct me from now because people will say, Alicia, and I'm like, no, it's Alicia. Oh, <laughs> so I do, I correct people all the time. So that last name is Sri Lankan. You could say Nadaraja or Nadaraja in Spanish. Nadaraja. Nadaraja, wow. Very cool. You, uh, you took his last name. A lot of Latin yes. women keep their last name. Yeah. So what is yours? Well, mine is super long. Lope Germentia Marin. So by the time I'm writing down my first name, oh. middle name, last name, blah, 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 I decided to consume it all or like concentrate it all in just Nataraja. And I thought it was exotic. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's fantastic. So you're not only just a designer as well, but you're a philanthropist. Yes. Because I think what makes diff- the difference for you is that your designs and your um, mission behind your designs is to help. It's to also do philanthropy in Peru, which is your home country. Well, yes, but there is a more uh, concentrated mission that I can share. Okay, That's we're definitely going to talk about yeah. that. I can't wait because it's, I from when I read, it's so, so powerful what you're doing mm-hmm. and some of the things that you're um attempting to do because a lot of it is just a process right yes. and it's, it's not how, easy how to get there how to get there yeah so I remember the first time I met you was at your Calypso fashion show mm-hmm. and the way that I met you was because I was part of a group called the social mamas app and I remember being invited through that group I don't know if somebody tagged me or somebody just put the invitation in there but it was mm-hmm. something that just captured my attention because I started to look at your designs yeah. um, and I love color and I noticed that there was a lot of color Uh, and being at that show I was just so impressed by the production value thank you I noticed that the production value was just really top-notch oh my gosh thank you for realizing that because people don't they just show up and they have a great time and then no one realizes the background work and it was well organized thank you the food was phenomenal by the way and i'm like i need to know who catered your food because i need it for myself and they came through for another event for me i was so grateful for that but i'm always paying attention to the little details you had professional models you had a dj you had music you had an entertainer i saw a drag queen come out and entertain which is you know she just kept the energy going and there's a lot of movers and shakers in the city they're sitting so yeah Yeah. were you able to sell a lot of clothes that night well not that night because what happens in my show nobody buys in my shows people are just partying and having a great time Okay, you're not focused on trying on clothes and you're focused on you know drinking and and just having fun doing like a viewing of the but what I did sell is I promoted a pop up two days later so I think the fashion show was like on a Saturday I think the pop-up was on a Monday something like that and yes we did really good people loved good good it was really really unique so as a young woman as a young lady you grew up with your mom going to factories and seeing the different she had she owned a factory she did okay yes right now if she would have still been in Peru, it would have been a, a fashion empire. This woman, anything she made, she sold out. This woman meaning my mom. And I remember being itty bitty on mm-hmm. literally uh, itty bitty meaning like two or three four the max. Four years old, the max. Being um, They put me up on a table at the factory. They start measure, measuring me and yeah. two hours later, what I thought was two hours later, I don't know, time-wise, uh-huh. I had a brand new dress oh that gosh. I was wearing. So I remember those. And that was her. That was her. That was her wow. business. Well, with, with, together with my dad, yeah. Oh, so it was a family business. Yeah, it was a family business. Wow. Okay. She did the accounting and business, and she did the creative stuff. 
That was a good team. Oh, nice. And they're still together? No, they've been separated for... Did business have something to do with that? Well... You know, because sometimes people who go in business yeah. together don't like. No, I think it's just the relationship. Okay. <laughs> and then he went on and started his shoe business. Okay. And leather good business, leather uh, clothing and okay. shoes and handbags. And she went on to doing t-shirts, something a little bit more casual. Okay. But um. But I think that's that cemented a little seed in your head. Oh yeah. About what you wanted to do for yourself and your future. Well, it did plant a little seed in my head uh-huh. on what I was meant to do, but I never discovered it until I was twenty nine. I never. Really? Knew. I was always in love with fashion, mm-hmm. but for some reason, I don't know why, I never wanted to do anything related to fashion. I mean, I would sell clothing when I was little, you know, a teenager, and I would do really good at that, selling clothing at a store. But um, when all my friends would tell me, you should be a fashion designer, you should study fashion design. And I was like, no, no, I don't know why. There was something blocking me. I don't know why. So I was always an English teacher back home. Did you feel like you just didn't have the confidence to jump in to something so creative and so unknown? Yeah, I think confidence was a big deal. Mm -hmm. It was a very crazy like thing to take on what is that world I don't Mm -hmm. know if I can do it you Mm -hmm. know um yeah I think that if my mom would have still had her factory and fashion would have been an everyday thing I think I would have jumped into the opportunity as a very young teenager to start on a fashion program but I think something was blocking me um definitely confidence probably had to do with it and I was an English teacher my whole life. My whole really? Life. Yeah. So you taught? Taught English in Argentina. Yeah. Oh, so it yeah. Does. So you lived in Argentina for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost all my life. Almost, Almost all of your life. Almost. Okay. And so at what age did you come to the U.S.? I was 20. Well, I came to the U.S. when I was little, um, but that was only three years. So Technically, it's not that long. Okay. Um, but I came to the U.S. since 2012, <laughs> meaning for good. Okay. This is home. Okay. Awesome. Nine years. You know, and the reason why I wanted to to you know bring this episode and to invite you into this um, podcast is because I feel like the the environment around consuming fashion has changed. Yes. I think a lot of us have changed after COVID, the way that we shop, the way that we go out there and um, use our hard-earned dollars. Uh, You know, retails are closing down, malls are closing. Mm -hmm. There's a big shift. I think there's a big shift happening at this point in, in time where, for example, for me, I'm really shopping more now to see where my money's going to serve a greater cause mm-hmm. and not just the bottom line for someone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so whenever I'm shopping, I look at the brand mission of the person that's mm-hmm. creating something, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that they align with my values. Mm-hmm. I think we in the past were shopping a lot just to go get the next thing that's yeah. trending. Yeah. Um, and so ultimately for me, it's just, and I've been on both sides as a boutique owner. I've yeah. been the one that goes to the shops and the markets and I buy things at wholesale. Yeah. And seeing that process really gave me a good perspective on where that's coming from. Uh-huh. And then coming over here to the other side of the, of the boutique owner that's selling that product. Yeah. And then kind of really having a really like... I guess reflective moment for me and saying, well, you know, really what am I contributing to this world and to yeah. this planet when I'm putting out fast fashion. I think that if everybody had that thought process before buying anything. I think it's happening a lot more, by the way. With, uh, yeah. Yeah. Millennials are making a huge change. Huge. If there's been a study that millennials are willing to pay more for something. Yes. Exactly as you're describing it because of a background of the cost and emission and a company and they're willing to pay more for it. And you know what? If, if you've never done that before, this is a good time to start really doing something like that because I think a lot of um, brands such as yourself that do more slow fashion and do more sustainable fashion, which is something I want to talk to you about, I think that we we can start creating like some real change yeah. in terms of where our money is really going. And it's just as simple as go to the store, you like the thing, check where it's made from. Is it China? Right. Is it South America? Right. Is it... Uh, it 
it's something so simple that could determine whether you buy it or not. Exactly. You know, and the other thing that I noticed about you when I was researching you is that there's a big um, influence in your in your in your mission with, you know, saving the planet or making it so that you're not contributing so much pollution, because we do know that fashion contributes tons of dirty water, second most polluting industry in the world. Yeah. And so, you know, last week I did an episode with my husband about, you know, my visit to Peru in 2009 and how that changed me in terms of mothering and how I learned a lot about the Pachamama culture and philosophy. Is that something that influenced you as well? Well, because I, it is very earth oriented and earth. Yeah, no, friendly. Growing up in Argentina, I was actually even ashamed of being Peruvian. Okay, because Argentina is a very European country. Yeah, and if you're not European, then who are you? Right. So I was never embracing my Peruvian roots, oh, and only then when I discovered. Here again in Texas, when I had my breakthrough in oh, fashion. Here in Texas. Here I. I had my breakthrough in fashion, and then short afterwards, a couple months later, I had my breakthrough in um, in my mission that I should really wake up, open up my eyes, and do something for my community. So I'm, I'm starting to learn about my community and my people. You know, now I'm 35, and I started when I was 29, and helping them. I never helped them before, you know? That is so interesting to me because I always felt like you had that sense. Yeah, well, no, only now. You met me after yeah. I became yeah. real Peruvian. You yeah. know what I mean? And you're very proud now, I can tell. Yes. Now, well, there's a beautiful ancestry that's behind that. It's an amazing And I think culture. a lot of people don't realize how yeah. fabulous and amazing it is to embrace it. Yeah, but when you're blocked and yeah. your eyes are shut down, Unless you decide to take the initiative to explore that opportunity, no yeah. one else can do it for you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How fat. I love it. I love it. You know, I discovered um, through my ancestry.com that I was 51% Native American. Wow. And then I knew it. I just knew it because I just felt it. Mm-hmm. And so before my husband did my, you know, he goes, he bought it for me. He's like, here, I want you, I want you to do it. I want, you know, let's try it and, and see. But I said to him, I said, I just know based on my grandmother, I felt very much attached to my father's mom mm-hmm. uh, and how she, her, her life and how, you know, just knew her skin color was my skin color. Her hair was big and thick. Even at 85, she still had like a chongo. Wow. Oh yeah. She had hair. I mean, wow. she was feisty and just like, she told people what she thought <laughs> shit and I'm like That's I'm like me. my grandmother <laughs> yeah uh, I'm like my grandmother yeah. and my dad would say to me oh you're just like her you're oh. just as feisty and like opinionated you never let anybody tell you what to do and when I got my thing and it said 51 or something like that percent and so it was northern Mexico it's like Sinaloa Sonora area it was like northern yeah. Yeah. um area which by the way if i go back and try it they'll give me more specifics on like the tribes and the culture and so that's something i'm gonna definitely do yeah but i just felt it and i felt so connected to my native ancestry i feel like a piece is missing when you're walking around in life not really connected with you and who you are and your family and your you know your heritage that's to me, I mean, and as an example, I, I was, I don't want to say unhappy because I was happy and I, I had a good life, but for sure fulfilled completely in so many other levels when I discovered my two breakthroughs, the fashion one and then the Peru one. Wow. And you're raising a multicultural child as well. Right. So that, and yeah. As am I. Yeah, yeah, you too. Yeah, right. my boys are multicultural. Yeah, your as husband's well. white. Well, he's half Czech and half Syrian. Oh, so yeah, so he's got a European side and an, a Middle Eastern. So okay. the boys are very mixed. Oh, and my yeah. husband's Sri Lankan. So yeah, they're definitely a mix. <laughs> I know. So raising our kids is really important for me, especially for me to just be like, you know, very cognizant that my kids understand their cultures and where they come from and all the beautiful pieces that make who they are. Yeah. You know, an American. Yeah. American kids. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about how you had to pivot after COVID because obviously you were really um, big on doing Mm pop-ups. You would do pop-ups because you don't have a brick and mortar. Right. You have an online e-commerce. Right. So what did you have to change? So let's talk pre-COVID. 
So I had a business concept that was pop-ups. Um, I would invite my clients and friends to shop at wherever I was, whether it was at a friend's house that decided to host and open up her house, or it was at uh, a restaurant that had a beautiful room for me to sit up. Um, and then my business concept was also fashion shows. Um, that, okay. that was also a big part of the concept. Uh, but now that we can't have fashion shows and we don't have too much pop-ups either, at least I created the um, virtual concept of pop-ups. You know, I think everyone's going virtual on everything. So I said, yeah. okay, let's do a virtual pop-up. That worked out really well. And okay. I actually had it at the beach in San Diego. Yes. I was visiting and I the family that. and I said, let's just do a pop-up here. Yeah. The sky's the limit. And it was so nice. And it looked fun. It looked like you guys were having a good time. We were having a blast. <laughs> we were. I wish the internet connection was better at the beach, but um, that's the only downfall but so we had a so yeah you know like being yeah, able to shop yeah. when they're showing you clothing that <laughs> is good to the environment it's or it's fair trade yeah. or it's sourced from artisans and it's at the beach and the girls are having a blast who wouldn't buy i would yeah. buy oh yeah so so virtual pop-ups in fine locations and then um big on online i wasn't as big as i wanted to be online so after meaning pre-COVID, after COVID, I was like, okay, online sales, this is my only, one of my only chances. Gotcha. Let's hit it hardcore. And I sat down and I created all the products, you know, the whatever you have to do, which is a lot of, you know, sitting down and just creating and taking great pictures and all that. So I did that. And online. And do you do all of that yourself? By yourself? Yes. Wow. Yes. All that. Some of the pictures are professionals. Okay. Most of the pictures actually are professional. Yeah. Which makes a difference. Which makes makes a huge difference. difference. Because you can see more details in the pieces when you do a professional photo. Yes. So most of the pictures are professionals. But um, other than that, it's all me. Yeah. And your brand from from what we see is very bright. It's the light. It's sunny. It's just gorgeous. How do you keep yourself designing pieces like that through tough times like we're having right now? Oh, um, well, it's a it's a good question because a lot of ladies, us, we're not wearing wonderful clothing. We're more, you know, leaning towards wearing sweatpants and t-shirts. Loungewear, a lot right? of lounging. Like, yeah. Right now, no one is really, really dressing up. Yeah. Especially if you're like really, you know, not seeing people and doing this. Um, that's not me, actually. And that's not me either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people like us, we're going out and we're we we're doing our life. Yeah. We're still living but, our life. But I think most people are not. <laughs> yeah. Still working from home mm-hmm. and all that. So, um. So what was your question? So how do you stay inspired to stay oh, sunny and like maintain that aesthetic of bright and fun? So summer really inspires me. I love summer collections. I love, okay. uh, I love, I love beach, uh, wear. um, I just always imagine my client at the beach or at a pool party or at a summer destination. Mm-hmm. So and when I even go to a beach party or or a pool party, I was like always constantly, you know, thinking, well, wouldn't this color pop in a beautiful yeah. picture? Wouldn't yeah. this color and the flowiness of this yeah. dress look gorgeous when I'm walking by or a customer yes. walking by? I love that. You know, yeah. and then to get the feedback from people, um, that helps a lot. So, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of what you do, you also have to educate people on what you are also selling. Yes, correct? yes I do. So, tell me a little bit about the sustainability component of the pieces that you. Okay, so present. let me tell how I, I got there because that's a really neat story on why I'm here doing the sustainable um, fashion line. Um, after my first sewing class, I. Well, after a first sewing class, you really don't know how to sew. Mm-hmm. Just just so you know, mm-hmm. you don't know how to sew after your sewing class. <laughs> okay. But I entered a competition uh, at the Museum of Fine Arts that all these wonderful and amazing designers were going to compete. And I knew I had no chance because I didn't know how to sew. 
But I went to the junkyard and I pulled trash because I knew that I would only have a chance if I worked with materials that would be wearable art. Okay. Because if I was going to work with clothing, I wouldn't win. So I had a chance at least to be seen if I was to play around with crazy materials. Yeah. So I grabbed bicycle tubes. I grabbed headlights, spinometer needles, light bulbs, fuses. God, what didn't? Oh, seat pills. The list goes on. Mm-hmm. And I created two amazing outfits. Beautiful. Breathtaking. You have to see the picture. Have you ever seen the picture of them? I haven't. I looked it up, though, but I didn't. I couldn't oh, find the I'll, picture. I'll show you the There's pictures. a lot of other stuff going on. I'm like, I don't think those are it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll show you the pictures. And then when those two pieces won, they were first audience choice, audience choice, and then first price. And they were exhibited at the, exhibited at the museum. I said, I have got to continue on with these crazy ah, trash things yeah. because, you know, there's something there so for me dis- to do. You sort of discovered this in a very serendipitous way. Yes, I stumbled upon it just because wow. I wanted to compete. And once I got the recognition that I needed, like this girl can do something if she barely knows how to sew and she's already competing against these amazing designers and beating them. Then I said, okay, I got the approval. I'm good at something because before then I was an English teacher. I was just, you know, paying the bills with yeah. with a job. It's not yeah. like I was so passionate about uh-huh. it. So that's when I discovered the passion. And I said, my brand has to be different. Yeah. And also it has to be different because if I'm a fashion designer and I'm competing against Sara and I make let's say I'm making pretty things but it has no meaning. Yeah. And whatever. And then I have no, yeah. no choice. No yeah. choice. Nothing. No yeah. who's gonna buy from me? No. So I have to be different. Can I ask you when that moment happened in your mind, did you feel like a sense of like, <gasps> it had like a breath of fresh air, like, oh my God, this is what I need to be doing. It happened in a matter of a year because I okay. still couldn't believe that I made this and it was oh exhibited. Gosh, yeah. I was like, what? what's going on here? I really couldn't believe it. But only little by little, it started just coming to me. So it wasn't one like, like that. It was more like oh, in a year, I said, you know what? I I have to do this. This is me. And now how do you find your materials and how do you make sure they're sustainable so, materials? Yeah. So every collection is different. So that collection was called the unconventional collection with all these crazy parts. Then you saw my second collection, which is hand embroidered blouses that were used. So I just kind of do a little research, but it also happens to be when you stumble upon things. Like I was on a trip to um, Guatemala and I stumbled upon the mm-hmm. hand embroidery there. Mm-hmm. That is oh, it's, it's so beautiful. I think it's the best one in all of South America. You think so? I think so. That's interesting. I think so. And I really do think so. Um, I mean, Mexico's right up there. Peru is right up there. But Jesus. These no, it's very intricate in Guatemala. Yeah. Kids. I went to the... Yeah. Yeah. factory which is not a factory it's yes. a woman's house that you know she has all these other women that are sewing for her yes. like you know like all our friends would be sewing they, they would be bringing that yeah. and then yeah. someone would come so I went to her house there was an 11 year old kid doing the embroidery mm-hmm. there was men doing the sewing mm-hmm. and the women were orchestrating and also doing the, the embroidery but anyways I just fell in love with that and the fact that they were used because mm-hmm. these women had already owned it. They were wearing it. Yeah. And they were ready to, you know, sell it to go buy more fabric. So did you purchase it at a wholesale price or well, how did you purchase the pieces? I did ask for some discounts just because I was buying in bulk. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to buy you 20, 20 blouses, 30 uh-huh. blouses. So they would give me definitely a 20, 30 blouse kind of. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And, um, and then from there you took pieces and created your own design yes yes so most of the blouses you could only use some parts because they were used and you could you know not sometimes they had a little bit of stain or whatever so you could use the top part that was in mint condition but not the bottom so it was recycling that um, and giving them back money to for something they wore um, for them to go buy a new one or make a new one. So that was nice. Um, that trade, I feel like it was a trade. So and me, my next collection uh-huh. in the future, I'm looking into, I recently got a 
uh, donation of saris, used saris. So I'm looking to maybe playing around with that. We'll see. But every would collection be, has. Would it be crazy to think that you could combine the sari with a Peruvian oh, piece? No, not at all. The sky's the limit. You just have to have that fun? Isn't yeah. that the best part about fashion that you can yeah. pretty much create so much out of? Yes. Just so much. Yes. Out there. Yes. And all open. the options. Yes. Yeah. And just yeah. be open, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people are scared to wear this and that. So, how do we educate? women or moms or ladies out there that are used to buying fast fashion, how do we convince them to buy a piece from you? Well, I don't like to use the word convince just because it makes it seem like I'm like forcing, you're forcing it, uh-huh. right? How so do we inspire them? Inspire them, yeah. Motivate them, uh-huh. encourage or, them. <laughs> or I also like to use the word enroll. Okay. Enroll them oh. into the possibility okay. of a world that they need to tap into, that they could tap into that they haven't seen. You know, if if we saw the landfill and if we saw it with our own eyes, where yeah. the trash is going, if we were um, there and if we could see all that, I think we would be more inspired to buy, to know where we're buying and do of our part. I wonder if that's the part of the education that we can include in our social media component as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize how we impact yeah. how we a pair of jeans. It. Yeah, we don't see it. We don't, we don't see, see it. how it's made, all the chemicals. We don't see the process. Yeah. We don't. We tend to forget who's actually in the back doing it. Um, I do remember reading an article that said that a lot of the big retailers, a lot of the big companies had not paid a lot of the workers that were that had you know completed collections but because this whole thing happened they started losing money and they didn't pay the workers so going back to purchasing with a mission and fashion for a cause um are we supporting those companies that are doing that to the people that work for them or are we supporting small business owners that are actually because honestly, as a small business owner, you you really do as a as as a nonprofit or as a philanthropy. A lot of times, you do not take a salary. Yeah. You make sure that your workers get paid before you get paid. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of normally in any company, in any company, right? In any company, it should be like yeah. that, but it's not all the time. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we really stress to the people who are purchasing and the women who are out there in our audience is that. Whenever you purchase something, you really are helping a whole community out or you're helping the bottom line of a big profit of, you know, I have a little bit of an issue with the way Amazon does their business because a lot of times I feel that they've, they've really ruined the small business part because they have taken on a lot of that and they do the online so well, they do all of those things. But a lot of, you know, like my store where I really did stress a lot of like, shopping from communities that are in need. Like I would, I travel a lot. So I always brought things back from the small local markets. Yeah. And so I had to educate a lot of the people about where my things came from. Yeah. And I felt like I was fighting the giant. Yes. I was always fighting the giant because you're going to go on Amazon and say, Oh, I need a, I need a dress for Saturday. There it goes. And And the other thing is a price point. So a lot of people don't realize that because you are smaller, because you are doing things yes. that are handcrafted, sustainable, yes. eco-friendly, yes. they're going to be yeah. more expensive. Yes. And that is just a price. Yeah. Are you willing to pay that? Or are you yeah. willing not to pay that? Yes. Agree. Agree. Well, we may, let's just say, we uh, speaking maybe for the majority, let's say we don't pay for that price and we go for the less expensive item in Target or whatever. Yeah, because that's the majority of people. Yes. We may not be, we may not pay for the more expensive that brings a good cost or a good, you know, source, nicely sourcedly traded and all that. We may not be paying for that now, but in the long run, our kids, our grandchildren will end up pay for all the things that we're not paying for yeah so you know water if that may be something that is scarce scarce. in the future we may not see it okay that's fine but they're gonna be paying for finding good water yeah we'll be paying for all the stuff the air quality i mean we're seeing it now the air quality the water pollution so we do we do what we do for future generations because we're gonna we're gonna be 
tech dead by the time by they, they we're yeah. fine. But is that future generation, your kids and your kids' kids? So how do you train yeah. people to I pay agree. more for that? So she's been at the sustainable fashion thing for a while now. And I think it's really important that we continue to support you and support the things that you do. Thank hey, you. Everybody. And uh, I love that top, by the way. I wanted to ask you about that top. Is that one of the tops that you... Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, it is beautiful. And that mm-hmm. color, I'm a huge coral girl. Yeah. I love pinks and I love corals. And this lipstick is my life right there. Ooh. And that lipstick you're wearing, I'm, I was just going to ask you, like, I need that lipstick. <laughs> so yeah i'm so excited to have you on the show today vibes by alicia is my podcast um i've been having this podcast i guess since COVID started because it was really my outlet wow. to kind of get through some of those uh crazy moments you know i had expression little, yeah and i had like a little bit of an anxiety attack at the beginning because i was did. like did you have one too yeah oh yeah i, I was a little depressed yes yeah, I had to go see a doctor about it. And I had never gone to a yeah. doctor about this. Yeah. yeah. So how did that work out for you? Did it help? Um, creating my multi, I call it COVID souvenir mask, really helped. Really oh, helped. Yes. So oh, that I'm really did it. That you, did it. I'm going to ask you about that because now I really want to talk to you. It. You know, we the last episode, we talked a little bit about your background and how you got to being um, the designer that you are today, uh, eco-friendly, sustainable, uh, making sure that you're always contributing. And I know that your project, is it Peru? Is project that Peru. Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it really concentrates on health, nutrition, education. Yes. Yes. Um, For children in the Andes area in Peru. Right. So tell me a little bit about your philanthropy when it comes to Project Peru. Okay. So the way it started, and I told you just a tiny bit on the other podcast, is that because I grew up in Argentina and I was always ashamed of being Peruvian and I never wanted to embrace my Peruvian roots. Always. I was very blind to my culture and my heritage. Gotcha. And when I discovered that I, when I unveiled that, you know, Ooh, that, unveiled, unveiled that yeah. reality and discovered and um, fell in love with my culture and my people. And when I realized, and I even made a trip down there to the tiny little um, village in the middle of the Andes where my mom was born. And I realized if mom ha- my mom hadn't left, then she and I would have been these kids that mm-hmm. lack nutrition, like lack hygiene. So if life is giving me what it's given me and has been giving me what uh, the abundance that has been giving me and blessings, then my responsibility is to give back as yeah. a responsibility. Exactly. So that's when I really you know, stressed on, determined uh, to take on a whole nonprofit, which is a business pretty much, obviously, that we're not making any money, but you're treated as a business and uh, we're all volunteers. And so let me ask you about that. I know that you're having a fifth anniversary fundraiser. Yeah. It's amazing. Five years. Yeah. Big deal. And yes. I think that's pretty, Thank pretty you. amazing. You. And you're having a virtual silent auction and it's happening on Wednesday, October 21st. Yes. From one to 9 PM. <laughs> if you are interested a little bit more, she has her Instagram handle at Project Piru, P-I-R-U-W. And that comes from where? Where does that word come from? Peru. Piru means Peru in Quechua, which is one of the native languages. Wow. I didn't know that. I'm glad I asked you. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So I learned to dance Ecuadorian dances when I was a little girl. Oh, wow. So I knew a little bit of Ecuadorian, Peruvian, and Bolivian dances. Huh? And you know why? Because I was a Mexican folkloric dancer. Huh? And the lady who ran the program, Miss Nelly Fraga, she was from Ecuador. She is from Ecuador. Oh, wow. I don't know if you know her. No. She's very big in the community. Wow. And so she would bring in um, teachers from Ecuador, from Peru, from Bolivia to teach us Wow. Yeah. So I learned to dance a lot of that music and a lot of, and so we dressed up and we did the whole thing. Yeah. So it gave me a really good appreciation as a young girl about, you know, South American culture. Yeah. Yeah. And reviving dances that are normally dead, you know, exactly. Our generations are not even aware of those dances. I know. And they're beautiful. In our own cultures. They're unique. 
you know, for my 10th year anniversary, my I'm Mexican and my husband's European. And for my 10 year anniversary, I had a whole um, Peruvian group come and play and DM music. Oh, wow. <laughs> and people were like, uh, are you guys in Peru? Like, no, but we love this music. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, no, we love the music. It's our favorite thing in the world because we just fell in love with it when we were there. Yeah. We were like, okay, we're going to do this for a 10 year anniversary. Yeah. And that's what we did. Anyhow. So tell us a little bit about your fundraiser and like what's going on and how does someone contribute or how can someone be a part of it? Part of it. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So there are many reasons uh, or excuses to be part of it. If you want to donate, we have a donation link. If you want to donate an item from your business owner, you have uh, a restaurant, you want to donate a gift card. Um, if you, you know, if you have provide a service, you want to donate, you know, personal closet organizer, you want to donate a gift card to that. Um, so we're reaching out to even small businesses or large businesses that want to sponsor and um, just be part of it in that way. Now, if none of these options are for you, you have, but you have time in your hands and you want to help out, we need help too. We need volunteers to help us with social media, like right over here. Yeah. We, we need followers in social media. Hit follow. follow. Pro, uh, um, Project Pure. Um, we need help with the website. We need help with promotion. Just go and, you know, invite all your friends to the event. So that way we need all the exposure we can get. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's so many ways people can help. And what's the difference be between what you guys are doing and from other charity programs, something like unbound, it's something similar to infinite possibilities. Uh, sorry. What do you mean? What's your okay. So like, what is the difference between your philanthropy and what other people are doing in terms of like helping South American small communities? Okay. Um, okay. So when I based the nonprofit, I thought that I was going to be able to also open up a nonprofit in Peru where all the funds could be going to that nonprofit okay. to help. Now we tried for a year and us having a um, nonprofit in Peru was a, huge undertake huge that yeah. we couldn't manage it's like building two companies building a company here and then building a company gotcha. in yeah so what we ended up doing is with all the funds we raised in houston houston like the the fundraising area uh place and we send it to two fundraisers in peru so we actually help fundraisers in peru that need the funds so Wow. So like, and what are they using the funds for specifically in terms okay. of what, how they're helping the okay. communities? Okay. So <clears throat> let's talk about the big fundraiser first. Their, their project is called Cusimacho. They're huge. They've been in business for um, a long time. They do anything from kitchen uh, installations, because if, if you know, if you've seen the remote areas, their kitchens are so basic yeah. that the smoke comes into their eyes and then leaves them blind. Oh, their lungs, they get yeah, long. Affected, yeah. So they build smart kitchens where all the smoke goes outside. Um, for example, also they build like this special wall that okay. creates a warm room because it's really cold up there in the Puno area. They help the Puno Which area. Which is up in the mountains. The yeah. 5,000 meters above sea level. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's super cold. And so they build infrastructure for people to be warm, to have, you know, less, um, I guess, um, smoke in their kitchens. Um, they also help schools with giving them breakfast every day for the kids, a nutritious one and school supplies. So when we, when we donate, we know that that's going to, uh, the kids actually. And then the other project is a school that only relies on donations. And that one is near okay. and they need anything from, we built a water well because they didn't even have running water. Um, we give them always school supplies. We build two playgrounds. We built a computer lab. They had no internet, no computers, none of that. Why world. is it so difficult for those communities in Peru to have those sorts of services? What makes it difficult? Is it the geo geography? Is it because they're so high up there? What is what is so making it so difficult? Well, when you think of Peru and starting like this lady the, the second project that I shared it's a school that only relies on donations we night back 
The lady is German. She's established there forever. She's almost Peruvian now. Mm -hmm. When she decided to build this nonprofit school, um, she's barely getting any help from the government. Yeah. So she only relies on her German and European donors mm-hmm. um, and tourists that come in. Okay. Obviously now this year they're very in red because tourists are not coming in. Yeah, yeah, unless yeah. donations are coming in from Europe. But um, uh, I, I think it's lack of uh, government resources. Help. Yeah, yeah. Government doesn't really help. And Peruvians in general um, I would just assume and take the guess that because not everyone is, is in a good position, like here, we, you know, we can donate $50 here, a hundred dollars there, but they're, they, they live the day to day. If they make yeah. $10, they'll spend those $10 for their food. Got it. So yeah, they have course. no room for donations. So let me ask you this. You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, I will only contribute to organizations that help the kids here. Why do I need to donate for people who live somewhere else? Yes. What is the talking point? What can we go back with? So, so when people tell me, why don't you drop a coin here in Houston? Why yeah. Like we have such need, such need here. Yeah. here. And I, I, I like that question because I, I totally understand where they're coming from and how they would, they're, either Texans or Americans and they're wanting to help their country. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to say to all those people is that when we built Project Piru, it's because I was able to see the possibilities of me connecting with my culture. So it's a little bit more of a personal why I donate to Project Piru because I hadn't donated my time and my effort ever. So now I feel like that commitment is to my people, but um, we're always trying to like, for example, have a venue that's a nonprofit. So that way the venue fees go to a nonprofit in Houston. Um, Or personally, I donate to, you know, charities in Houston as a Mm -hmm. person, not as a project Piru. Mm -hmm. But um, I really like that question because I think that if we connect with who we are and with our roots, Mm -hmm. then we can help our people. And if everybody, you know, Americans would help Americans, um, Peruvians can help Peruvians. I'm, I'm okay for that. You know, I'm, I'm all up for finding your culture and helping your people. I'm helping Americans. So you don't really see, I guess, I guess you don't really see a separation between what you're helping. Basically you feel like if you're going to want to help somebody here, then do that. You want to help somebody because I know there's a lot of people that send money to Mexico or send money to South America and they want to help people there. Your thought process is we all want to do some sort of philanthropy. Yeah. And so whatever touches your heart yeah. and motivates you and yeah. moves you yeah. to donate, that that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. That's what people do. That's how it works. Yeah. Because we're selling, you know, we're selling when we're asking for donations. Yeah. A dream. A dream that a kid can have a better education thanks to their money. Right. Which, boss, by the way, as I was researching your, your organization, it's just simple dental hygiene. Mm-hmm. That a lot of these kids just yeah. need to go to the dentist for one or two times. And that's what you're funding. Yeah. And I think that's something we take for granted here in this country is that we can go to the dentist, set up an appointment and take our kids there. Mm-hmm. That is not something that is easily and readily available to the children in Peru. Let me take you to Peru for a moment on a small trip. Yeah. You are a Peruvian in the middle of the Andes. Your parents are working in the field. They probably rent the field and sell the corn later at the market. Yeah. You're a kid. You shower maybe once a week if your parents are clean. Once a month if your parents are not clean. That's when you shower. It's cold. So you most likely sometimes shower with cold water. There's no hot water running. No. 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 Yeah. We're talking farm, fields, middle of nowhere, Andes. Those are the kids we're helping mm-hmm. with hygiene. Brushing their teeth is not even yeah. in their life. That They don't know what a toothbrush is. So 
that's how different, completely opposite we're talking about. And I think that's really important to point out is that you've got to point out the stories of the locals, mm-hmm. of those kids. The reality. Through, the reality, because I think a lot of us come to this country and we don't realize unless we travel there, mm-hmm. we don't see that there is a need, that there is a poverty, that there is scarcity, that they're dealing with a lot of things that we don't deal with in this country. But on the other hand, that lifestyle that has worked with for centuries is also not wrong. Just because we're coming and wanting them to shower more often and wanting them to brush their teeth, it doesn't mean we're giving them a better lifestyle quality or whatever, you know, like that's not. Thank you for pointing that out because you're not diminishing that. Yeah. Yeah. Their culture yeah. is showering yeah. less, then, yeah. then that's what it is. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go change that. We are going to go tell them that, hey, there's this option that you can brush your teeth and they'll last longer. Do you want it? Take it or not. You know, we're not. And I think as Americans, we have to definitely take a step back and see what we can learn from them. Yeah. What can we learn from the respect to the land, the respect for, mm-hmm. you know, as we talked earlier, uh, not wasting things, not mm-hmm. purchasing more than you have to, mm-hmm. not throwing away money, mm-hmm. being more resourceful about how you use mm-hmm. whatever you have, which yeah. is something that's very, very, very much a part of a, a poverty neighborhood, a, po- a poor neighborhood, somebody mm-hmm. who has to, you know, put extra water in the beans because they're feeding two extra kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the sort of mentality that we have to kind of realize is if we don't travel to those locations, mm-hmm. Let's learn a little bit about them. Yeah. And not dismiss them as like, oh, that's wrong. That's just different. different. And that's what I like about the German woman that's running the school in Peru. Yeah. She is not there to change their lifestyle and their culture because that would be rude, you know? Um, Yeah. She's there to embrace it and enhance it. And I even went to their, uh, their, well, their kitchen too. We're renovating their kitchen. But I even went to their bathroom. Their bathroom is a hole in the ground. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I I had a bad hard time. I actually ended up going to the bathroom in the bush. <laughs> so I said to her, Do you need us to donate a bathroom? She said, No. That's thank you. She said, Thank you, but no, that's how we do it here. Okay. That's for us, mm-hmm. that's normal. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. She did she tell you where the resources were needed elsewhere? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, she yeah. did. She yeah. of course. There's always a line of Which, things. Which by the way goes back to the mentality that we see things uh from a one point of view and they see it from another point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And and just because we see it this way doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right way for them. Right, right. They're, they're not always they're, right. You're not. No, and I think that's what's changed me in terms of traveling around the world. That I have seen that you know when I come back, I'm grateful for my house and I'm grateful for all this. But I do learn a lot about how those cultures survive. Yeah, I mean they've been doing it for centuries. All you can do is help them in whatever they need, embrace their their existence, and learn from them, and not change them. them. Yeah, and I think part of your philanthropy is also determining okay what do they really need mm-hmm. and let's help them with that and yes. um fashion for a cause again going back to the podcast that we recorded earlier um it really is about how we change minds and how we change the way we purchase from now on yeah. and not purchase things from a consumer point of view and more from a mission driven point of view. Right. And I think a lot of women just like myself, and I've decided that, you know, for me, I'm just reusing recycling. I rent a lot of things. A lot of my clothes is rented Mm -hmm. just because I just decided that for me, I just wasn't going to be a, a vapid consumer anymore. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to be that anymore. I just knew that that mentality just didn't fit me anymore. And so from now on, I always make sure that the brand and their mission is outlined. And and it correlates with what I want them to do. Yeah. And how are they protecting workers and how are they taking care of, you know, um, the the exploitation of 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 the earth. Mm-hmm. I think that is just so important now. Yeah, we can't continue doing things as usual. Yeah, you know they always say that COVID just sort of taught you. 
a before and after. Yes. Yes. Agreed to all of us for Did sure. Did that happen to you too? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did your philosophy change My, in the way that you were doing philanthropy? Uh, well, we normally have fundraisers that we're always hosting, um, that are parties or fashion shows. Um, obviously because we can't hold, uh, have one this year, then we decided to go virtual on the virtual silent auction. Um, so what do you need from us? We're out here. We want to help you. What do you need? Okay. So I need mainly, I need donations. Uh, either in cash or checks or credit cards, we'll take anything. If that's not uh, a possibility, then you have something wonderful you want to donate for the silent auction, we'll take that too. Let's say it's you think it's too little and you think it's a $50 gift card for your salon. Mm -hmm. Well, we partner with a bunch of other uh, beauty lines or yeah. makeups or whatever. We create beautiful baskets. So no donation is too little. Gotcha. No donation is too big. Um, so that's mainly what we need. They can go to projectpure.com. And if they can't donate, is there a volunteer program? They have volunteer programs, yes. We need volunteers to do, like I said, our social media, um, image, like, you know, graphic designs to do all our graphic work. Photography. Uh, uh, not too much photography. Okay. Uh, uh, um, website. We okay. Need website help. Um, and promoters and, oh, we need to be out there in the media. So if someone knows, you know, um, what's it called? Media manager, like a media public relations, public relations we need that too, to send the emails out to the media. Very cool. Yeah. So it's September. Your event is October 21st. Yeah. Um, today, tomorrow, this weekend, what is the first thing you need us to do? Just the number one thing. Follow you on Instagram. Follow short, us on Instagram. Which is at Project Peru. Project Peru. P-I-R-U-W. Yes. Um, and send us, when you go to the social media, send us a message and say, I want to help out. How can I help? And then I'll call you and we'll have a chat and we can see how you can gotcha. help. Wow. Um, you know what? This is such an important, an important endeavor. Thank you. Um, and kudos to you for maintaining that mission and that sense of purpose in your mind and thinking about things in that way, because I think if anything, COVID has made a lot of people very cynical. Mm. Uh, the negativity is just rampant mm. and we have to hold fast. I think in yeah. my perspective, yeah. hold fast to those values that yeah. are good, yeah. that are wholesome, that are helpful, yeah. resourceful. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think a lot of people can take the route of like, Oh, you know, I'm just so done. I'm tired of this year. I don't want to do anything or take the route of like, we're not, this year's not going to break us. This year's going to make us. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, I think, yeah. have fear. Yeah. And you can't fear is a state of mind. And yes. that'll lead into your actions and your solution and your, you know, outcome. So if we're constantly with that state of mind and we yeah. have fear as the backbone of our daily lives, then that's not going to work. No, because it's a paralyzer. Fear paralyzes yes. you. Yes. And so I, I agree with you. I think it's a mindset. Yes. And if you decide it's that it's an not going to, it's an emotion. If you decide you're not going to let it paralyze you, you're not going to let it um, interfere with the goodness that you've created. Because quite frankly, it takes a lot of energy to create what you're creating. Oh. And you cannot just say, well, this year came by and it ruined everything. No, it's not going to ruin no. everything. And you, you have, have to, to be, be creative. 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 And stubborn and yeah. tenacious yeah. and persistent about yeah. it. Because yes. quite frankly, like Luisa, I think people would have given up and said, well, this year's done. Yeah. I don't know why I even have to do this. Yeah. I don't know why I'm even doing this fundraiser. Like uh -huh. it's just like yeah. a waste of my time. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Because I feel like people are looking for something where they can give back. Yeah. Well, also, 
me talking to the uh, woman that manages the school and hearing how she had to lay off a teacher because she obviously is having a hard time paying salaries for the kids, for the teachers. So she had to lay off. So now one teacher has two classes, but the one that got laid off is working until the end of the year as a volunteer. When I'm hearing these things, then I can't give up. There has got to be another way. We just didn't see it before because it was in our blind spot as we were driving. Yes. But there's a whole world out there of yeah. realm of possibilities mm-hmm. that are endless mm-hmm. that we need to tap into. Those are the taps. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> Girl, I love this because you know what? You're speaking my language and I feel yeah. like you are always looking for that opportunity. And like yeah. you see that there's challenges and you're like, mm, yeah, I know there's a challenge. I'm looking for that opportunity so much all the time <laughs> yes. that when your boy was telling me that he created a video yes. at the uh, American Idol guy, yeah, I immediately, my wings yeah. were like, okay, uh, American Idol, we can do something with that. Can he yes. sing for Project Pure's Instagram? Can yeah. he do something? You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, which by the way is so important as you lead an organization yeah you have got to be looking at the opportunities and grabbing on to them yes but i only feel like that really happens and at least in my case when um, after my breakthroughs and after I realized oh, what okay. I was here to do. Oh, wow. I was, I was, um, only when you are in a, I don't want to say relaxed, but when you have nothing to worry about that is essential, then you can go out there and tap into you and who you are. So what I'm trying to say is when I was back home, an English teacher in Argentina paying the bills, I was living the day to day, you know, yeah. I didn't have you were like on survival mode, on survival mode. Right. Yeah. I didn't have all these things all this time where I could have build a nonprofit and help people. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is you can, be creative or it's easier to be creative and help yeah, and, yeah. and be in that mindset when all those other worries are taken care of. Absolutely. It's a hierarchy of needs, right? There's a hierarchy and then you reach a level and you're like, we now I need to give back. Right. So it's the same way for me. So for many years, I didn't do much until I felt safe. I felt like I could, I had the support system. Right. I had the money for it because I could do it with, you know, my husband's support. Right. And I was able to do be like, like easy and Uh I can definitely help. Right. And so now I definitely go back to my community and I do a lot of that in my community where I grew up. Right. But I don't think I could have done that when I was still it would have been in the process. So much more challenging. No, it's just challenging. So much more challenging. And you know, and, and and I'm grateful that I have a husband who supports me and like keeps me, you know, you know, grounded yeah. and like says, Hey, what else do you need? I can help you. Yeah. But I don't think that's possible for everybody. Yeah. Right. But for those of us right. that can do that, like I think it's important that we motivate and encourage yes. more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got the bases covered, you have a roof, food, maybe even a job, then you, there's no excuse why we shouldn't go out and help. Yeah. Whomever we want. And I just want to recommend to people in my audience that if you are out there and you're like, hey, I'm looking for an outfit, I'm looking for something, you know, for a special event, I want you to really think a little bit harder about where you're spending that money. I know that designers are like the big thing, but I think we really need to start thinking about how we are contributing and helping small local designers in our community um, because a lot of them have a bigger mission. Be a part of something greater than yourself. You know, for me, I always think, and I and I just came to that. You know, a few years ago, I can tell you that I didn't come to that. You know, before, but um, I always try to see. You know, well, where is that mission heading, and is that mission something that I can contribute to, and it's something can I um, help fund 
something bigger and more important that, that, you know, perhaps you have never thought about before. Um, you know, I know the malls are closing. I know that the brands are closing. I know some people are losing jobs, but we have forgotten that the small business is just as crucial and just as important in the fabric of America. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the contributions of a small business and the small businesswoman, the Latina business owner, the, you know, the, 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 the person of color business, all of those things require our support and they require money in order for them to sustain. Yeah. Honestly, you know, a lot of people say, well, I can help out here, help, help out there, but nothing runs without money. Even if you share a post, even if you buy an item, you never know where all that effort is going. You're just planting a little seed of love into the universe that will eventually come to you back in an amount of abundance but just taking the step of a little seed like you said buying a loco or helping project piru sharing post or whatever yeah you never know share it like it tell your friends you heard the podcast and you want to know more about it um i will be sharing luisa's instagram i will be sharing her facebook i will be sharing her event i'll be sharing all of those things all through my social media all through my podcast i think it's important that we support each other um and moments when we find you know those opportunities to say hey i know somebody that's doing something pretty fucking amazing and being like yes (laughs) let's push them let's do it i love it i Um, love it you know, I was just mesmerized by, by, and I think this is why, because I really admire women or people who really take the effort to do something beautiful and extraordinary and make the time for it. Yes. I've gone to fashion shows. Yes. I've gone to events yes. where it is so par. Yes. The food is gross. Disgusting. Or no food at all. No food, no drinks. Like ladies, let's step it up. Let's not mm-hmm. be mediocre. Yeah. And what I saw about you was that it was not mediocre. It was extraordinary. Um, the models, everything, the music was handled perfectly. Um, I know we're all struggling and we're all going through things, but even when we don't have the resources, we yes. make it special yeah. and we innovate. Cause we care. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And that's the difference. And yes. people pay attention to that. Yes. I pay attention to that. Yeah. I'm the oh, kind of yes. person that pays attention to those yes. things. And then I remember them and I'm like, mm, that's somebody I need to keep an yeah, eye on. That's somebody that cares. That's somebody yeah. that pays attention. That's the people we want yes. to work with. Yeah, you know, we don't want to work with the people that don't show up because of whatever reason. Yes, we yeah. want yeah. we want to be around people, and we want for people that are enrolled in their life being important, self care, self love, and that'll show into everything you do. It does, and I think your clothing is is something that really represents that. Thank you. I think it does. Thank you. Oh my god, thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate you so much being here today. You have been a fabulous breath of fresh air for me because you know through all of this stuff I'm always like okay I need to fill myself up with goodness yes yes me too and I'm gonna be trying some of your stuff and I'll be posting some photos thank you because I want us to definitely put them out there yeah and I love styling stuff up I mean I just have so much fun you I know you yeah I I have a blast styling things up so thank you guys and I'm gonna be sharing all of her handles all of the information so that you can become volunteers that you can donate you know for her silent auction october 21st yes and do not miss it it is on her facebook page yeah um and go in there and you want them to register oh well yeah it's a it's a, a facebook event it's a facebook event gotcha virtual event so yeah we want them to hit going and all that okay and so tell your friends about it you want them to come and be a part of this um, I bet you, you will see something on there that you're going to like, and you're going to want to buy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, Artist. And, and your pieces are one of a kind, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if somebody gets a piece, nobody else has that. Oh, that's true. As I far as a, my fashion, yeah, fashion. it's one yeah. of a kind. Yeah. One of a kind. Most yeah. of it. Most yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, for sure. Which is a huge value added to what huge. I can provide. Huge. Because you're getting something nobody else, nobody else has. has. That has a story. You know, I normally yes. even take pictures and videos of where I'm buying it from, whom I'm buying it from. So I can track it down and say, I bought this piece of 
fabric that I turned it into a dress from this older lady that I took a picture of in my yeah. trip. Like who other brand can do that? What? What other No, brand? and I think that differentiates you. Yes. Yeah. And so you've got to keep doing that. And people love that. And when that. I tell them that the pockets in their garments are made of recycled blouses from little babies and the pockets actually look like this. And I even show them this is where their little head used to go. Who doesn't want to buy that garment? A little baby blouse kept in mint condition yes. and she's wearing it now as a pocket. Yes, I know. Who it's can adorable. tell that story? So can Sara no do that? No one can do that. If we don't are not different and care and do something, we don't have a chance. We don't. And so I admire the fact that you have maintained steadfast on that mission and steadfast because it's I hard, think it's hard to maintain. It's, the, it's hard, yeah. but I'm, I'm almost confident that the switch with COVID and the switch in mentalities and the switch in our thinking about purchasing is going to be a big, big plus for you because I think we're really considering where we're buying from now. Yeah, Our money is going to go a longer way if we're actually buying something that's contributing in a holistic point of view. Yes. As opposed to we're buying from 24 over 21 and it's just going to the pocketbooks of somebody from China who, sell, who right. owns the business. Right. I think we're really considering a lot of those things now. And I yeah. think it's important that as consumers, we really educate ourselves on who we're buying from and guess what pay the price yeah it's okay not just the price but it's also the time like i make slow fashion right my stuff yes it is yes people are used to hitting amazon they get it the next day they have a dress so it's not just about time it's not just about that but it's allow that item to be created nicely and purely with integrity and that takes time you know the homemade slow cooked meal will taste way better than that burger that'll keep you hungry in two hours yes so you're really buying also that the concept thank you for pointing that out yeah the time time. and millennials sadly we are not like that millennials want everything now but I think a lot of them are starting to say, and I and I've, I've I, some of them work for me, and they really don't buy things unless they have a bigger purpose. I see that, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think your brand really um, entices that community yeah. into being more thoughtful. Hopefully, my buy. niche market can become one day a market that is more broader of mm-hmm. people like you that understand that concept. Yeah, yeah, I think we're heading there. Quite honestly, I feel like that's what's happening, and and COVID is a lot has a lot to do with that. I think we're just really seeing just how how big corporations can just be very much about themselves and not about the community. Yes, and I think we're thinking a little bit more in a more holistic, more earth friendly way. Oh. I really do feel that. So thank you Amen so much. To that. Yes, thank you so much for being here today and enjoying this uh, beautiful morning. We're going to be posting the podcast very soon, so watch out for that so you can get the full on interview. We're so happy for everybody that joined us. Wow, you have a really great community going on there. Oh, wonderful community. Um, so thank you, Luisa. Gracias. Muchas gracias. So much. And uh, success. Thank you. To you too. To you too for what you're doing. Thank you. For allowing us to have this wonderful platform to share what we're up to and what we care about. So that's That's what we're here for and to be there for each other. That's really big. You created this. So I'm I'm, very honored to be here. And I'm thrilled to have you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) 